Joining me now is Global BC legislative reporter Richard Zussman. Talk a little bit about what we can expect and what these elected officials should expect in the weeks and months ahead. Richard, welcome. They've let me out of the legislature, Jazz, and I am sitting here. I can see you in person. I am in downtown Vancouver. So I get to see these problems that Ken Sim is facing <laughs> firsthand. The traffic wasn't so bad, though, on the way in. So maybe he's going to get a break on this traffic thing. Who knows? I it's guess. actually nice to talk to a human being that I can actually see rather than over the phone line. So maybe we are actually starting a post-COVID <laughs> moment here at CKNW. We're hopefully soon going to have people in studio again and we can actually look at them and talk to them. So it's great to have you uh, join us today in the studio. So let's touch on some of these things. Um, a little bit about uh, Ken Sim talked a little bit about probably the biggest challenge before the city, a challenge the city's never seen before, which is just the mental health and addiction and public safety. It's all interconnected. Uh, what do you think we can see in regards to help for cities, uh, particularly from the provincial government? I think a lot is coming. What it looks like is still unclear. So there's a lot of things that need to unfold. Just today and tomorrow, and the reason I'm here is the health ministers from across the country are meeting, and the Mm -hmm. mental health ministers for the provinces that have them are also here. And this is one of the big priorities, is figuring out how to properly fund treatment centers, how to ensure that the resources are given to those that need it to help alleviate pressure on the justice system, on the criminal system, because we're often seeing a strong connection between repeat offenders and mental health issues. And then the next wave of this is Premier David Eby. So we know he's being sworn in now in a little bit less than two weeks' time. And one of the priorities that he has before him uh, is the issue of public safety. He managed the system when he was Attorney General alongside Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth. And we know that he has some unique ideas on this. One of them uh, is involuntary treatment for uh, those that have mental health issues uh, that could potentially be connected to repeat offenses. We'll see how quickly he moves on that because that would be a substantial policy shift and one that could make a difference. And then we'll see what sort of support there is financially, potentially for those mental health nurses that Ken Sim has promised. There's some confusion in Victoria about exactly how Ken Sim is going to implement that. Will it be done through the health authority? Will it be done through the Vancouver Police Department, there are still questions that need answering there. So those two things provincially, those tools are going to have to be pulled. And I'm really curious to see when Ken Sim's first sort of um, meeting with David Eby in terms of, you know, agenda, what we need for the city will be, because there are huge issues that Vancouver needs help from Victoria on to implement a lot of these big promises he has. Sometimes in politics, timing uh, is more important than anything. I mean, Mr. Sim actually has a premier and MLA who lives in Vancouver. It's his constituent. It's his constituent, right? right? Uh, And uh, that's, uh, I think, going to play a significant role. uh, Because I think the squaring in for premier, soon to be premier Eby, is in Vancouver, not in Victoria. Yes, and... and I don't know how you know that, but (laughs) uh, they are working on the logistics of that now. And I think that largely has to do with space, but it is also going to be an event that will be symbolic. Mm. He is British Columbia's premier, but it is a marked shift from what we saw from a premier who lived in the southern part of Vancouver Island, uh, who would commute into the office every day and back home to see his kids to a premier now who is based here with his family in Vancouver. And he understands on a day-to-day basis those challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Kids in childcare, moving around through public transit, seeing the face of 
uh, public safety and crime issues that you, you wouldn't see if you don't live in the city. And all of that is going to be, as you play, advantageous around timing. Do you think the discussion in this region, I, I certainly hear it from our callers, that we may go to a, I'm not going back to the same system, but could we see a, a revival or a conversation of a, a, of a Riverview or reopening a Riverview or something similar to a Riverview? It doesn't seem like it's something David Eby is interested in. But it will be part of the conversation because Kevin Falcon has made it part of the conversation. The B.C. Liberal leader has said this is a priority of his. He would like to see the reopening of Riverview, the sort of mass uh, facility that brings people in and out to receive the mental health treatment they need. When David Eby talks about involuntary confinement, Mm -hmm. he is not thinking about a Riverview situation. He is looking at one-off situations where someone who is clearly having mental health issues ends up in the justice system and getting them the treatment they need rather than putting them in jail for 24 hours, allowing them to get bail only to be released and then 24 hours later arrested again. It's a different type of conversation and one that we're going to have a lot of over the next few years as we lead up to that fall of 2024 election if we get to that point. Uh, the issue of housing, and we can touch a little bit a little bit on this after the news break as well, but um, Mr. Eby has a significant housing plan. We've talked about it uh, during the, the leadership campaign. How quickly do you think he can implement some of those things that he's talking about? My understanding is they're working on the legislation now. And when David Eby comes back to the House in Victoria uh, in two weeks from now, from today, he's going to want to make a splash. And I think the expectation is the legislation around housing will be the first thing on the table. And what that looks like, it's unclear. Will it be the flipping tax? Will it be the changes to municipal rules around zoning? Will it be the changes to strata? Will it be at all? I know they're working on it now. It's complicated, as you know, to work through legislation, to have the right language, all of that. But it's something that he wants to do in his first 100 days, and he needs in some parts legislation to do it. And he wants to make a splash and show that housing is his big priority uh, across the province, but especially where we're really seeing the pressures here in Metro Vancouver. If you're just joining us, we were speaking to Global BC's legislative reporter, Richard Zussman. We were talking about some of the issues before Metro Vancouver mayors, including uh, uh, transportation issues. We've got uh, housing challenges, mental health and addiction, of course. Um, but what we're also seeing is, of course, a challenge to our health care system. In fact, uh, the prime minister of this country, Justin Trudeau, says he, he supports the idea of investing more in health care. But he says Canadians want to see results and an improved system. Trudeau made those comments earlier today in Montreal and uh, there are two days of meetings here in Vancouver Canada's health ministers in fact this is the first time they've met uh, since 2018 Richard uh, has been covering some of their uh, conferences as well Richard uh, your thoughts on this uh, are the concerns pretty much the same across this country in regards to access shortage of staff frustrations Canadians are having with the system yeah staffing is the number one issue we're seeing that everywhere and I asked health minister Adrian Dix the BC health minister is chairing the meetings about whether there was a conversation and commitment around not poaching workers from other parts of the country because as we move forward here, it looks like, as you mentioned, Ottawa's willing to pony up some extra cash. They put conditions on that today, though. They would like to see additional data from the provinces around health care uh, resources and about uh, health care outcomes. Uh, they would also like to see uh, some other data around managing the sector. Uh, if that comes, more money will flow to the provinces. If the provinces have access to more money for health care, one of the things they logically could do is is offer higher pay to enter the workforce. So you're either keeping uh, nurses and doctors and others in the system in the system rather than leaving, Mm -hmm. or you're potentially trying to lure back others who may have left. 
if we see that, we may have a, a race to the moon sort of thing where every province is trying to pay more to encourage workers. And Minister Dick said one of the things the provinces have agreed to do is, is not to try to actively go and get uh, resources from other parts of the country, but to work with Ottawa to improve accreditation for foreign workers, mm-hmm. as well as try to get the number of uh, workers up in terms of uh, programs, you know, so through the medical schools, nursing programs, but that takes time mm-hmm. and the crisis is now. Yeah. So we know that HR is the big issue. We also know that there are diagnostic testing issues on all fronts. Uh, we've seen uh, some problems with uh, cancer uh, treatment and diagnosis in a lot of places. That's still an issue and those are the big priority groups about where the provinces would like to see the money go if it's there on the table. Tomorrow, the, the Premier's meet face-to-face with the federal minister, and we will find out by the end of the day if they have at least an agreement for a formal meeting where the prime minister and the premiers can sit down to finally hash out a conversation on money. Are, are the other provinces um, happy w- with our deal with the doctors or the government's yeah. deal with the doctors? Because it's a significant pay increase. I'm, I'm not complaining about that. But other premiers are going to look at that, other health ministers are going, wait a minute here. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to be pointing at BC when I got to deal, when they got to deal with them. I got to assume some ministers health ministers probably aren't happy. So numbers I looked at has BC and Ontario around tied now with how much we pay doctors. And after this new deal comes into effect in the new year, we jump up an average of $70,000 a year on top of what they're being made now. So all of a sudden you're looking as a family doctor in another jurisdiction and saying, well, I've always heard British Columbia is beautiful. (laughs) Maybe I want to try it out myself. So it's a strain that provinces are feeling, but you know, everybody's facing these same issues. So I expect that if the model is the right model, uh, then other provinces are going to adopt something similar and then go to Ottawa and say, we need the financial help to cover this. Okay. Now let's touch on um, issues I think you and I um, both noticed this weekend. My son was sick uh, uh, and my wife was mentioning to me uh, at a local Walmart near our place that uh, um, there was a shortage of pain medication for kids. Uh, You notice the same thing in Victoria? Yeah, and it's been going on for a while in Victoria, but it's so acute now that it seems like no matter where you go, you can find it. So I asked Minister Dix about this today as well, because it is a huge issue. And, and, And largely this is blamed on the supply chains, but it's also applying all sorts of other pressure to our system. So many may have noticed that over the weekend, there were huge waits at Children's Hospital. Uh, Parents have kids who are in pain, They don't have medication at home to treat it, so they go to the hospital. And it puts pressure on a system that's already under pressure. And one of the things that Minister Dick said to me is wait for tomorrow because that will be part of the conversation with the federal minister. That could we go to a model where children medication painkillers have to be prescribed? So families can't get it off the shelf so that the pharmacists can regulate how much a family can have. We'll see. I don't think we're going to go that far. Other provinces have talked about that. But I think there's going to be something from Ottawa tomorrow to help address it because it's concerning. Yeah. Like, like you went through it. You, you notice it. I, I was even flabbergasted by the pharmacy I went to in Victoria that cold and flu medication for adults was half out. Like uh, flu shots were out. Like, this is a pressure point where if we don't have these basic tools, we know work. We know vaccines work. We know painkillers help work, ease the pressure. Um, Then we're going to have a system that continues to really feel it 
I don't want to say crumble, but we're at a point now where it just feels like the basic things in the system just aren't working the way that they're supposed to. Well, the system, I would argue, has always been, any, whether BC Liberal, NDP, whoever's in power, you've always run it at 90, 95% capacity. Sure. And then you throw in a global pa- pandemic and supply chain issues. Yeah. This is the recovery, and it, it, show, it actually highlights the system has always been in trouble. But it's never had a pandemic challenge again. Now we're trying to recover from it, and the problems are glaring. Yeah, and and I think fixing a problem on a go, as you know, is nearly impossible. So these are problems, as you mentioned, have compounded themselves over years and years and years. I remember when we lived in Vancouver, we would wait hours to get into Children's Hospital on a Mm -hmm. weekend. There's always been pressure. But when you have things that compound themselves even further, you know, supply chains, can't get the medication, now you send your kid to hospital, you put even more pressure on a system that can't handle any more pressure. And we're just starting this, sort of the respiratory season, the problems, right? I mean, this is early November. Wait till we get to December, right? This is... We haven't even seen a lot of flu. If any cases of the flu in British Columbia, we haven't seen that big run of respiratory illnesses that rip through schools. You know, we're already hearing anecdotally tales of schools from across Metro Vancouver in the province that, you know, kids, teachers can't come in because they're sick. It could be a tough, you know, late fall into winter. Yeah, absolutely. Richard, thank you so much, my friend. It's good to be here. Good Thanks, to Jess. see you, sir. <laughs> good, good to see to you. See you in chat. <laughs> we hope we can do this uh, very soon and, and a lot more. Thanks. Thanks once again.